Welcome to episode 24 of the Down Under the Ring podcast. I am the Warship, and today we've got a special guest on. It is Gino Gambino. You might know him from all of the great stuff over in Japan. You might know him from Australian wrestling. Usually I'd say, Fid, how you doing? But today, Gino, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Is that? I don't know what Fit says. I've never watched any of your shit. So, <laughs> am I allowed to swear? It's nice to know that he's a fan. <laughs> am, I, am I allowed to swear? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're fine with the swearing, bro. Yeah, it's fine. It's um, an Australian podcast. What do you want from us? Fucking fantastic. All right. I am well. <laughs> I am very well. <laughs> good. Hey, Gino, awesome to meet you. Uh, thanks for Thank coming you. on the show. I suppose the first thing I really, I'm really curious about myself is how did this whole journey start for you? Like, when did you oh, get into wrestling? As in pro wrestling? As in oh, pro wrestling. Jeez. Yeah, um, Maybe life. It's funny. I, I think like most people, I was a fan during that, you know, um, late 90s, early 2000 era, where it was on Channel 10 uh, late at night. And um, I was just obsessed. Like wrestling was just cool. Video games that were wrestling were cool as well. So like yeah. a lot of uh, kids at my high school played it. So um, I, I was pretty late. Uh, in discovering wrestling. So sometimes when other wrestlers talk about like WrestleMania three and five, I'm like, bro, I've got no idea. Talk to me about Stone Cold and The Rock and then, cool, I'm happy to chat. Um, I remember once a, a, a promoter was like, you know, like at the end of WrestleMania three and I'm like, yeah, you're going to have to show me on YouTube. Never seen I've got no idea. So yeah. I, I was a late bloomer with that. But um, the way I kind of got into it is uh, WWE came to Australia for the first time in 20 years and hosted a, um, was it Global Warning or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, Global Warning. Yeah. yeah. So the same, and, one, um, same one that uh, was like the pre-WrestleMania tour that they did? Yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But they had big names. They had like uh, Brock Hogan, The Rock, Triple H, like everyone was here. Um, mm-hmm. And that was massive. And as I was as I was entering sort of the, the venue, um, there was someone who I now know to be Slex out of all people, uh, handing out flyers to people. And I saw the flyer. I'd been to local wrestling a, a heap before, um, when Jim Demiroff used to run shows out at uh, the Epic Macedonian Center. Um, but I thought it disappeared, to be honest. Um, and then I saw this fly and it was for a ladder match and it had like Mad Dog and Lobo and all these names in it. And I was like, oh, I've got to, I've got to go to this. Um, didn't end up going because it was like the other side of town for me. Um, but I called the number on the flyer and ended up being Lobo's home number. And he was like, <laughs> ah, hey, oh, yeah, come on down, you can do some training. And, uh, and I went and did my first training session, and that was in 2004, and I've never looked back. So you, you almost fell in love with it by getting involved in wrestling. I, I, don't, I don't know if I was in love, but I, yeah. I definitely I wanted to do it. Like I was like, this seems cool. This is like a cool thing that can be my personality whilst I'm trying to work out what I am as a teenager. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah no, really enjoyable. And, yeah, I, I kind of was just like, I want to do this. I want to be Stone Cold. I want to, I want to be, yeah. you know, cool and famous and the heel and all that stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> it definitely was – it wasn't love, but it was something. That's yeah. crazy to think about too because, like, so for me, it's only like a three-year difference really between yeah. when I started and when you started. But you looked like you were in the business for, like, 50 years when I got there because you would establish I I- yourself – with a lot of stuff early on, you know? I, I think I acted like I was in the business yeah. for 50 years, and that's why. Um, because, like, to be honest, I felt very comfortable um, within myself. I, I was dog shit, let's be honest. But I felt like I was better than most. So um, I felt like, you know, when I, when I met, like, you, Shippy, like, I was like, you, you're so wog like me. 
I was just happy to see another wonk. And I was just right. like, yes, come here, brother. Let me hug you. Like, so I think I think we connected really well early on. Um, and yeah. I just I just felt like I, I felt comfortable. I felt like I could talk to people honestly and openly about wrestling. Um, very later on, I find that that's not the case. But at the time, <laughs> it felt like it was uh, it was the right thing to do. So, yeah, I, I definitely became a... Um, I guess a name, quote unquote, very quickly. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of just took it by the balls. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it." It's really connective, isn't it? Like when you first start wrestling, it's like nobody likes the shit. No one likes it at all, except for me. I'm at yeah. school. I'm the only one who likes it. Maybe one or two yeah. other kids like it, but that's it. And then yeah. you meet wrestlers, and they all know the same stuff that you know. And they all like yeah. the same stuff you like. So it's completely different. Um, I remember, like for you and I. I had had a few matches here and there. I'd done a little bit of stuff in the, the year and a half before we, we locked up. But Gino is yeah. actually really the first angle, I suppose you'd say, that I had, which was in Ballarat. Yeah. Um, and we had the series of matches there, which were, ended in like a first blood match, which the whole thing was just yeah. a really great <laughs> learning experience, I think, for me to begin with. But um, I, I, I loved it too, though. Like I took a lot away from that because it was the first time I felt like someone came to me and said, what should we do? And yeah. I was like, oh, like I'm kind of like the guy that needs to lead you a little bit. And that was nice. Mm-hmm. Like that, that felt like you you gave me a responsibility that no one else had. And I was I was happy to take it because I want to be the big mad dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember my student yeah. union. Um, yeah. And you ended up being like the, the head of it, didn't you? Really? Like the forefront no, of it? There was, another, there was another guy, uh, Sean King, who yeah, 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 was yeah. so beyond his time. Like I've spoken about him before on other podcasts. He, he was like doing super indie Kenta stuff when the only way you could watch it was downloading highlights on LimeWire. Like he was he was wearing kick pads when wow. kick pads weren't a thing. Like, mm-hmm. like we, we, he was he was incredible. He was pretty much the head guy because he was probably the best wrestler. But you know we had we had amazing people like Jimmy Ray's like such an underrated wrestler. I still talk about him to this day. Like mm-hmm. incredible guy to to watch wrestle. Um, we had Trey. Unfortunately, Trey just sort of. You know, didn't want to wrestle anymore, and he's—I think—he's living on like a a cruise ship in Mexico now. Like it's just—it's—it's yeah. it's sounds amazing. like he's living a rough life then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. came up wrestling, I, which is the right thing yeah. to do. But it's, yeah, but it's I'm not getting kicked to... in the face. I'm drinking mai tais on a boat. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but it's, a, it's an incredible thing to see. Um, yeah, that that uh, angle with the student union was something a bit different, but. It's funny. I talk to people these days, and I'm like, "Oh, PWA Melbourne," and they're like, "PWA Melbourne," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah that's that's where it started," and they've got no <laughs> yeah. idea. And yeah, because PWA the, everywhere. As somebody yeah. that moved to Australia only eight, eight years ago, yeah, like as far as I'm, my knowledge of PWA is just Black Label here in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? That's great. I'm so glad it's still a name. But there was one stage where PWA was going to be in every state. Um, yes. And the only reason it's not is because Johnny Raddick's car broke down. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> so pretty much they were going to do PWA. So it started PWA Melbourne, PWA Canberra, PWA Queensland, PWA Sydney. It was all firing. You know, about yeah. to do PWA Adelaide. And Johnny Raddick had to go to a meeting and the car broke down. He couldn't make the meeting and that was it. It never happened. That was, that was the end. And it just slowly declined PWA in every other state. It's um, crazy. It's, no, but but it's crazy that the story is an entire federation died because somebody's car died. Car yeah. broke down. It, it's, just, broke yeah, down. It's, it's it's funny, but yeah, it's funny meeting people who have no idea PWM PWA Melbourne even existed. So it's, yeah, because everyone thinks it's the Sydney one is kind of like the the daddy now, right? It's like the original, yeah. but and it is. It's it's an amazing fed that's kept the name going and. 
look at the talent they've churned out. Like there is mm-hmm. like, um, you know, London and Paris, Madison Eagles, Ryan Eagles, uh, Jessica Troy, Charlie Evans. These are all people, again, Warburg. Yeah. Like you can't deny their level. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But in saying that, the Melbourne scene hasn't died because PWA isn't there because I think they've got probably one of the most active scenes mm. in Melbourne at the moment because they've just got so many different organisations doing stuff there. Yeah, but is that a good thing? Like, I get it. I, I, I love that there's a lot of places for people to work, but diluting the talent as well, just it just hurts everyone because we're trying to fight over the same fans to come to our shows where uh, back when MCW just pre-COVID was kind of the main stayer. Like, BCW yeah. and all that had their shows, but, you know, MCW pre-COVID was consistent. Now they're incredible as well. Like, they're, they're, their production's Absolutely. massive. They've got big names and stuff like that. But I think pre-COVID, there was this thing of, well, I have to go to that show. And the other shows are great, but this is the show you got to go to. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? When you've got, like... 12 companies in the same state mm. and they've all got a show once a month it really ends up being if you're not going to wrestling every single weekend as a fan you're fucked yeah like yeah so something yeah. has to give well there's and, an and argument to be made as as a fan of that being a thing at the top level right now as well right like it's yes. awesome being a fan in pro wrestling right now because we've got wwe we've got new japan we've got aew uh, tna's back and looks like they're going to kill it uh, right yeah. Um, we've got so much happening at that top level, but as a fan, I have to mm. choose which one I'm going to watch. Even us who we do a weekly show about pro wrestling, right? Yeah, it and sucks. We need to choose <laughs> how much we are going to watch because we we've all got jobs and stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's too much. Yeah. But so, here's my question. I, yeah, go. It, it's sorry, I don't mean to, but it's something I no, spoke no, no, about no, no, today no. Um, with one of the boys at the gym, and I said, "But do you care anymore?" Because I used to care when Kenny Omega was wrestling Okada and the only way I could watch him was trying to find a link through a Japanese website. Now mm-hmm. I'm watching him every week and I'm kind of just like, do I care? Is it, is it cool anymore? Well, that's the same oh. thing with like the multiple companies in the same state, right? So if you've got mm-hmm. like Slex wrestling on five different shows in Melbourne, do you really yeah. want to go see the sixth show? Like, that's the thing yeah it's i feel like we've got a lot of choice but is, is choice a good thing my biggest example is i hate the fact that i can stream shows now because i'm like yeah. i don't know what to watch where yeah. when yeah. We were back in the day i used to get the tv guide out and like circle <laughs> i watch frasier then mash <laughs> then a little bit of news then simpsons i had no choice it was what was yeah. on and at 9 30 i was like well that's all my shows i'm going to bed we're now yep. at 11 o'clock going, have I got time to stream another episode? Do I watch a movie that I like? Can't find yep. a movie. It's not Netflix. Need to go to binge. Sometimes choice for us is too much of a, a good thing. Well, even yeah. that, well, you're like, you sit there with all the different like things, like your binge and Disney and all that stuff, and you don't even sometimes fucking pick, right? You're just like, what do I watch? <laughs> yeah. And then you go from one to the other to the other, and you don't pick yeah. anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. What did you watch on TV last night? Oh, I watched half an hour of the Netflix menu, and then I watched yeah. uh, an hour and a half <laughs> yeah. of the uh, Disney Plus it's menu. So silly. Yeah. So, I guess let's um, for the people who don't know more about yeah. you, I guess we probably should do the round off there. We've kind of spoke about your beginnings, but let, let's get a bit of an overview of you, probably in your time overall. But we'll start with like Australia, and then we'll move into how you got your opportunity to go overseas. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think my time in Australia was me. I'm very aware. Um, but, but I pretty much covered my shitness quite well with other things in the sense of character work and stuff. So 
um, out of necessity, out of being really overweight and really shit, I created a character called Mr. Juicy. Mm. Um, and Mr. Juicy was a comedy character that wore a KFC bucket on his head. Used to like, there was one match I got a pizza delivered whilst I was in a restaurant. I was going to say that. That was in Queensland, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, I had a mate of mine in the, um, in the audience, Dash, and he happened to have a Domino's cap in his car. And there was a Domino's across the street. And I said, mate, here's 10 bucks. Just get a shitty pizza. And then halfway through the match, come through. And he did. And the crowd just, and I ate the pizza, hulked up. And I was like, oh, I can do this. Be fat and not bump. Sold. Oh, you know, you got me locked. And um, Mr. Juicy sort of just evolved. Uh, eventually, um, I started getting booked at MCW um, after doing like a squash match for Peterson. And... Mm-hmm. Fresh goes, let me see what Mr. Juicy is, because uh, Chris Fresh was booking MCW at the time. And I did, uh, I wrestled, I reckon, Concrete Davison in this match. And he goes, okay, I, I get it. And we both did some comedy stuff and he got it. And what we did is we built this comedy character to the point that the crowd cared for him so much that when the bad guy Cracker Jack came along, um, we were like, we, we were on. Like, they, they, he was the bully, I was the nice guy. And they wanted to see me win, which I didn't, but that's the story. So mm-hmm. Mr. Juicy was born out of, I think, necessity for me because I, I just was in bad shape. I wasn't I wasn't wrestling well and I, I knew I could do comedy if I wanted to, mm-hmm. um, which, can I just say, is a very fine art. A lot of people talk about, oh, deathmatch wrestling is a fine art or, you know, you know high flying is a fine art. Comedy is so difficult if you don't oh. know how to do it. You need to be naturally a funny person. You can't just get in the ring and be like, I'm going to do a comedy spot. Um, (laughs) It's something that we talk about all the time on this show as well, is like wrestling is amazing when it can be taken seriously and believed in, but it's equally as amazing when it's silly shit that is funny, it's hilarious, genuinely hilarious. And um, when the fans buy into the stupidity of it and treat it like it's real, right? It's amazing. I mean, yeah. I look at like to think about that as a good perspective before your MCW run when you were mm-hmm. doing Ballarat with like with me and Jim and everything like that. Um, we treated you as a serious wrestler and yeah. like your gimmick was a serious wrestler, you know, like, but how it translated the times it got the most over was when you got like a fucking old war helmet and put on your head and did yeah. a headbutt and, you know, like yeah. the stupid stuff from there. And it wasn't until you really just said, okay, well, maybe I'm not a serious wrestler and yeah. maybe there's more to it. But then again, to say that, yes, Mr. Juicy was awesome, but when Mr. Juicy became like a serious wrestler later in MCW, it was another evolution again. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the, the thing you have to realise is you can't, I mean, you can have a great gimmick and you can do it forever if you want. Like, let's, let's look at the big stars. They've always had the same gimmick, but... To grow your gimmick as well, like to like, I was like, I want a, I want a new challenge, and the idea of Gino was the challenge. Um, that you know, you know, Chris Fresh again came to me. He's like, you know, there's a heel run here. Can we can we kind of do it? And he explained us things, and I was so fucking against it. Like he was like, you're not going to have entrance music. You're not going to talk. You're not going. I was like, holy shit, they're going to hate me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the that's, the, that's point. the point, brother. And I was like, oh fuck, all right. And and yeah, it was it was a nice challenge that paid off massively massively mm. because it was probably the strongest story that we had at mcw at the time um and it it kind of made me grow into a better professional wrestler and got me noticed a little bit more than mr juicy did i guess mr juicy got me noticed because of the promos i did with like duke hudson and yeah. uh, shane and mike and stuff like that that got me noticed but 
once I started doing Gino, there was all of a sudden the interest in what the storyline was. Because um, I yeah. just did the same match every main event. I just was like, cool, this is the match I do, and we're going to do it. And everyone was happy with that because it was easy. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it must be off, scary and, going into something like that where, where it, there is a huge element of the unknown. You've been a guy who talks and has mm-hmm. got his shtick and stuff, and all of a sudden you're like, no, no music, no yeah. talking. It was, it was terrifying. It, must be scary. it was terrifying. And I was really lucky. Um, Sebastian Walker, who's, who was my gimmick manager at the time um who, who's wrestled forever and and got into management and, and he's a friend of mine and chris freshers and we used to sit down all the time and i said like fuck i can't do this and they're like no just do this try this and then kind of once i built my confidence with it i then started coming back with ideas too and it, once yeah. that flow started we, we we had it we knew we had it and the crowds just got bigger as we did it like mm-hmm. you know we'd sit around the 400 mark I won, got to the 500 mark, I won. And then all of a sudden, they just wanted to see me lose so badly that they were buying a ticket. And that's yeah. that's wrestling. The, yeah. We are a traveling circus, right? C- come to me for the show of the bad guy that should lose and never does. And then one day he does. Uh, yeah. You went from being this like comedy joke of a character who never mm. even had a separation in your eyebrows to now yeah. beautiful <laughs> trimmed eyebrow but um, <laughs> you probably went from like not i, I don't want to say mid card because you were still at the top of mm. cards but like as far as the perception you know it was like eh, it's just gino yeah. you went from that to in my eyes and not just because we've been friends for a long time but there was mm. a period there when you were mcw champion that you were the most talked about person in the country as far as wrestling I, I, i'm very lucky in the sense i have severe adhd right mm-hmm. so i hyper focus and at that time i was hyper focused that i did want to be the most spoken about person in the country so i was like i was messaging every promoter i'm like yeah book me yeah book me yep. no problem yeah book me and there was a time i was flying every single weekend in and out of a state and wrestling two or three times because mm-hmm. i wanted to because i wanted to be that guy um and look, it comes with its challenges as well. It comes with its own heat. Uh, a lot of people don't like that because a lot of people want that spot. And yep. a lot of people are willing to do a lot of things to take that spot from you. And that's fine. I welcome the competition. And I felt like it was growing wrestling uh, in general. I feel like everyone was kind of buzzing at the time. Not because of me. I didn't think I was like fucking Moses parting the sea. But I just <laughs> felt like people people were interested. And that was, that was nice. Um, and then like the whole Bullet Club stuff as well was unexpected. And then... All of a sudden, I'm like going to promoters going, hey, I've got a New Japan person. Do you want to book them? And they're like, okay, yeah, fuck, let's do it. And, you know, you have Will Ospreay in a fucking country town in Queensland. You've got Tox in Sydney. Like, and all of a sudden, Naito in Melbourne. And we were buzzing. Like, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. we were like, fuck it, let's do it. And, and well, it felt really good at the time. Before we go any further, this show is brought to you by OG Nerd. OG Nerd represents the gamers, the cosplayers, the collectors, the model makers, the tattooists, the artists, and the athletes. They are not just a clothing brand, they are a subculture. OG Nerd revel in their halcyon youth and embrace the lifestyle driven by nostalgia, humble beginnings, and heroes. OG Nerd strives to offer quality, comfortable, and above all stylish streetwear apparel inspired by a lifetime of gaming, music, and street art. I've worked with OG Nerd for many years and find their apparel second to none in terms of quality and appearance. Whether it's at a wrestling show or a convention, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better armour for your rig. Get yours at ognerdlife.com. Well, tell us how that, how'd the New Japan thing start. 
I, I, I say this all the time when I'm asked. It started from a cup of coffee, out of all things. So, awesome. you know, yeah, things things were buzzing, um, David which was that. really nice. And I got booked uh, in New Zealand. So I got I got uh, booked to wrestle um, in New Zealand. And whilst I was there, I met Tox. And I did Mr. Juicy, which was great. And yeah. he came over and he's like, hey, bro, just want to let you know, it's I like the gimmick. And I was like, oh, thank you, man. Shook his hand. I was like, oh, Tox Bali. Like, that's pretty cool. The underboss, mm. right? I flew back home and I just did the wrestling thing of, you know, going into the DMs and being like, hey, mate, nice to meet you. You know, hopefully we can catch up. And he goes, oh, yeah, bro. He goes, my brother lives in Melbourne. Um, next time I go visit him, would you like to catch up? And I was like, cool. Didn't think another thing of it. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm keen for that. And he did. He, a couple of weeks later, meets him. He's like, I'm in Melbourne. Do you want to have a coffee? And I drove out, picked him up. We went and had a coffee. And he pretty much said to me, uh, we want to run a tour in Australia. And in my mind, I'm like, how the fuck do we do that? Like, that just seemed <laughs> impossible. And I said to him, look, why don't we start small and then we'll get there? And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, let's do a tour. Let's do a tour. And I was just like, it's just not possible for us at the moment um, mm-hmm. because just the, the price range for any promoter just wasn't worth it. Um, yeah. In saying that, there was other promoters booking people. And I was just like, for that money, you could have had half of the Bullet Club here, but that's another story. Um, yeah. And... So we had this cup of coffee and I'm like, hey, I think there's a lot of talent in Australia that's not being seen. Why don't we bring out the bosses of New Japan to have a look and yeah. pretty much see if there's any interest. And that's that was the stepping stone. And all of a sudden, I'm emailing uh, the president of New Japan very poorly because I can't spell because I'm dyslexic, but poorly <laughs> emailing him to organise flights to bring out the bookers and the promoters and all that to come to Melbourne and Auckland and Sydney and look at Australian wrestlers. And I was just like, we're there, we're, we're, we're building. And from that, it just sort of expanded. Mm-hmm. And you would have got so many new friends. Uh, it's <laughs> funny, those same friends aren't around anymore. It's shocking. It's shocking. I tell you what, the more yeah, I hear, these, the more I hear these stories from Shippy about the way the wrestling industry works, the more I realize it's so much like the get video game streaming yeah. content creation yeah. industry. Um, like, and that's where I come from. Right. And yeah. the whole, I bet you made a lot of mates when you started working with those people. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. Really, yeah. And look, it's I, think, I think, yeah, I think when I started all the new Japan stuff and I, I was aware, but it was kind of nice to be popular too. Um, I was like, yeah. I was like the, I was like the fat kid at school who finally had friends because I bought fish and chips for lunch. Like everyone yeah. wanted a chip, and I was happy to, I was happy to, uh, I was happy to share it because um, because I felt like there was there was an end goal, and I felt like everyone was sort of on board once it started. Around. Like we we announced Okada in, mm-hmm. at a Ukrainian center in Essendon in front mm-hmm. of two hundred yeah. people. Like yeah. no, at that stage, no indie promotion that wasn't directly connected with New Japan had booked Okada, mm-hmm. and that man was just like. And which, which era is this? Uh, so what? I guess like 2017. Yeah. Oh, yeah so it's, like, not, it's not distant. Like we're talking like well-known Okada at the stage. Brother, he was the champ at the time. Yeah. He just yeah. he yeah. just he just won a dome against Kenny. Like yeah. it was it was wild. Like we we couldn't believe it. We were like this is like having Ric Flair in the 90s. Yeah, like yeah. do the tour again. Like we, we were we couldn't believe it because initially we reached out about um, having someone, and we kind of thought you know Manura Suzuki, Ishi, mm-hmm. someone along those lines that's still really well respected and would have drawn, but attainable. 
And yeah. they came back. They're like, no, Akata wants to come to Australia. We are like, okay. Okay. How the fuck <laughs> okay. do we do this now? Like, it was a panic. All I remember is Slex did the promo. Me and Mikey J were upstairs at Essendon, like, hugging each other because we are so excited. <laughs> promo hits. And the, the ring announcer goes, and tickets are on sale now. And every fan stood up, turned around, and lined up the tickets whilst the match was happening. And I was like, oh, that poor made a bit. Like, it's just yeah. – but there was excitement. Like, yeah. the fact Okada was coming – we were the first promotion in the world to book Okada as an independent. And it just – it still blows my mind. I still get goosebumps watching that promo. It's actually crazy. Looking mm. at, like, your transition from all of that like when it came to Bullet Club, what what was the catalyst there? Aside from just being mates with Tox, was there like a was there anything else that went on through that, or was it just like I'll bring you in and we'll see how you go? Because then you went, you obviously had the match as well over there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a bit funny. I think I don't think I've re- actually it's probably the first time I've ever spoken about it truthfully um, on a podcast. But pretty much, he came to me and goes, "I've got an idea." And the idea is like a Australian version of the Bullet Club that I would have head up and that would be like in and out of Japan, but mainly building the Australian scene. Tox was really strong on building Australia and New Zealand as this incredible scene that that, that was yeah. like second to Japan. Like, And, and now, now Japanese... he's executing that passion, right? Exactly. So pretty much what's happening now is what the plan was back then, um, yeah. to have this offshoot of wrestlers that came in and out of Japan for tours, uh, weren't full-timers, but would come back home and you'd be like, hey, I just saw Gino on Tokyo Dome. I now get to see him at Essendon. I'll buy a ticket. That was kind of the plan. And he pretty much said to me, so I'll put you in Bullet Club. And I was just like, is that even possible? Like, to me, that just didn't make sense. Like, that didn't seem... And everyone says, like, there were so many people who were against it. Like, there was so much chatter online about... Oh boy, Gino. And I don't blame them. Like, I, I wouldn't put me in Bullet Club either. But the, <laughs> the thing is, what am I going to say? Am I going to sit there with the man and be like, no, I don't deserve it, mate. You you yeah. give it to someone else. I'm like, fucking give it to me. I'll fucking yeah. take it, right? And never, my, my life mantra is never say no to an opportunity. So Yeah, and I just thought, okay, well, if it's going to be someone, it, it might as well be me. Like, don't get me wrong. There was other options all over Australia that could have mm. easily done it and... Like Jag, Mikey Nichols, Shane Hayes, Jonah Rock, Slex, like all these people that we could have been there. But at the end of the day, I'm the one who had the coffee and just ended up in that spot. I, I didn't mm-hmm. want to like, I didn't almost want to be rude and be like, oh, no, no, no not for me, mm-hmm. right? And, and you weren't so stepping we do... on anyone else's feet or nothing like that. Like it wasn't like feel... you were saying, no, you know. But the understanding was that there was going to be a Bullet Club Australia where mm-hmm. like there is now with the... Um, what are they? The, not War Dogs? What are they? Fucking... Um, the the uh, PWA. Rogue Army. Rogue yeah, Army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Bullet oh, Click, yeah. Rogue Army. So, hey, yeah, yeah. hey, so, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, the, so it was meant to be like the Rogue Army. It was going to be called Bullet Club Australia. So my thought process was, okay, it's me, but it's also going to be all those names I've listed off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the plan. And then, okay, I've never told this story. So this is a bit of an exclusive for you. Um, then unfortunately there was some bad blood at the time between a few of the members of Bullet Club, some which aren't at New Japan anymore. Um, and for whatever reason, I became the, the shit, you know, the person that was going to cop the most shit. Cause what power no. did I have? I fucking none. Right. And unfortunately, um, 
the Bucks, Kenny, Cody Rhodes, just had goes at me online in videos like that. Being in being the elite, they made like fat comments and um, comments about being shit and about my Twitter and about my Facebook and my Instagram and. To be honest, I get why. Like, I understand I wasn't to their standard. I, I understand that. But also in my head, I thought to myself, mate, I'm just a fucking shit fat indie wrestler from Australia. Why are you worried about me? Like, mm. why are you concerned about me now being part of this, you know, wrestling group? That's not real. It's not real. <laughs> you get my point? Like, this isn't a yeah. real game. We're not in a, we're not in a, a bikey gang. I'm not getting patched in. Like, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's not real. What are you upset about? Like, I always thought to myself, because I put up a, um, a T-shirt once, sort of uh, the Bullet Club. I forget what it was, but it was like a Gino eating the Tokyo Dome T-shirt. And I thought to myself, if one of those people, if Kenny, the Bucks, Cody Rose, just had a liked a tweet or retweeted something that's free, that would have cost them yep. nothing. If they just liked it or retweeted it, I could have made money. Yeah, I yeah. could have made I could have made a thousand bucks, which would have been life change, not life change, but it would have been money yeah. in my pocket. Yeah. Like instead of following me or even just acknowledging my existence, like I was going mm-hmm. to Japan, I was in on tours in Australia with these guys. So instead of acknowledging my existence, the choice was to just ignore it, which is it is what it is. It's still a choice, but it just made no sense to me. I was like. Guys, I, I've never even met you. I've met you once, and yeah. okay, you, for some reason you got a problem. I'm in the Bullet Club now, um, but it just seemed it seemed really silly. It seemed really silly. And look, to the credit of some of those guys, they have since seen me either in Japan or in Australia, and have you know extended the olive branch, or even once actually made an apology, which blew my mind because it was really unexpected. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, this is I've never told this story on any podcast before, but. To me, I just felt like going, what the fuck is your problem? Like, yeah. I don't feel like there should be any reason why you're giving me a hard time. Because the other side of it, the Tamatongas, the Hikaleos, you know, the Tangaloas, uh, even even Machine Gun and all that, were so lovely to me, were yeah. so accepting of me. If we were doing anything, they would involve me. If um, they were filming something, they would involve me. Where I felt the other side just seemed to think that, I wasn't worthy. They were probably fucking spot on. I wasn't, <laughs> but I just just some common decency would have been nice because I was never rude to them. I never no. felt like I was doing the wrong thing. I just wanted them to be like, "Hey, mate, just 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 a hello." Would have been nice to get my yeah. like. It's it, again, it's not a real group. It's 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 it, it's the found, the founding fathers are important and they've changed wrestling and they're still massive in their own promotions be it yep. WWE, New Japan, AEW. But I was just, again, a shit kicker from Australia who was just trying to make a bit of money in wrestling and sort of push myself and other wrestlers in Australia. And you, you would honestly think I stole something from them. I'm just like, I'm insignificant. Why are you even yeah. mentioning me in your being the elite videos? Why am I being mentioned? Like, well, that's the shit. It's almost a about, case of isn't it? Not, like, not being a cunt doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'm, all I'm saying is, like, why, why mention me? Like, what, what was the bonus? What did you get yeah. out of it? The only thing it did was make me go, oh, that's a bit upsetting. Yeah, you <laughs> just felt like shit for it. Like, like, yeah, yeah. exactly right. Because no, the thing because is, is they, they all talk about it, right? They all talk about mm. like lifting each other up and empowering and the, all that mm. kind of shit. Like, they're all really big on like the positive side of wrestling. And then when they mm. had the chance to do it, they're just like, now nah, who's this fat cunt? 
Like, yeah, which is, again, I've, I'm sure I've done that myself. But my point is yeah. that the matter, like, the, my point is more, it, it is what it is. I'm, I, I don't try and dwell on it, but it just felt really dumb to me. It felt like going, mm. why do you care so much? Because 95% of the people that watched Being the Elite didn't watch that and go, oh, good joke, fellas. They just <laughs> yeah. went, what the fuck are they talking about? Instead, yeah. I went, oh, it was 2017. I'm watching Be the Elite. And I went, oh. Yeah. Yeah, it just deflated you. Yeah, I guess I'm not going to any parties. But but then again, (laughs) to to make up for it, the other guys invited me to the Bullet Club party in New Jersey, and you know, bring me, brought me out to New Jersey on their dollar, treated me like one of the boys. Jay White has been nothing but respectful and nice to me the whole fucking time. Um, you know, Tops has always treated me well. Happy to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just, you know, it's. It blows my mind how how just different it was. That's hey, different. hey, hey, come on! Now. You know what? Honestly, what, what's the difference? What, yeah. what is? What, they're just promotions that a promoter goes. This looks cool. Let's put yeah, these guys imagine together. If they, imagine if they grabbed you by the hand and pulled you up a little bit. You know, like just with yeah. like just a retweet, a like you said. Yeah, just a little it, bit. It would have changed everything. It would have. It could have changed everything. And the thing yeah. was, we were still like I was still trying to be a professional and be like, well, I'm running a tour in Australia twice. I want to book these guys. Yeah, like I'm, I'm still saying, let me pay you the fees to come, and I'll, like I have to pay you to be my mate. And even then, you weren't my mate. Look, Kenny, Kenny has been really nice to me for a long time, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, him and I spoke very briefly last time I was in Japan, and I've got no, I've got no problem with any of them. Why would I? No. To me, all I'm saying is, I just don't understand why. There was this need to take jabs at me, like do tweets about me about being overweight or the Mr. Juicy Bullet Club. Like, who cares? No one yeah. knew who the fuck I was anyway. So who cares? Yeah, yeah. you just felt like a That's stab not... for no reason. Look, I get yeah, it. I get anyway. it. Hey, I got to be about that. <laughs> but fuck them, because your body transformation this year has yeah. been amazing. How much have you lost now? Uh, so te- technically it's 70 kilos. So far. Jesus, um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll explain what happened. I, I got really unwell, uh, very quickly. And as much as I was enjoying traveling in Japan, sitting on a bus and a plane for 10 to 12 hours on a regular basis is really bad on the body. And mm-hmm, on top sure. of that, we're going out drinking, we're going out eating, um, I wasn't exercising. I wasn't wrestling, so I didn't really care. And then I, I had quite a bad sort of relationship end um, where I was like, I was just a little bit sort of broken as a human. Um, as we yep. all do, it, it happens to everyone. And I just didn't care about looking after myself. And pretty much what the, the realization was I was um, I was at, out with a friend and he goes to me, I go to him, oh, my legs really hurt. And he's like, oh, let's let's go get you to the hospital. I'm like, nah, 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 it's all good. I'll be fine. And then eventually he'd convinced me and I went and my blood pressure was 181 over 120, which is Jesus. just, that, 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 is, that is now we're looking at having a stroke and a heart attack within days. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, and they found a, a blood clot, which I am susceptible to. I've had multiple blood clots. And I, so I wasn't surprised, but they give you an injection of what's called Clexane. And the Clexane thins your blood, breaks up the blood clot. And the nurse said to me, the only problem is you're so heavy, we can't give you enough Clexane. She's like, the maximum, the maximum dose is 160 mils. You're 174 kilos. I can't mm-hmm. give you 174 mils or whatever it was. I see yeah. whatever the unit is, right? And I'm just like, 
that's shocking. And I was just like, okay, yeah. what do I do? And I was I was away for work and I came back and I just, just you'll understand this shippy as an ethnic. There was just a day I didn't feel like eating bread. Which you yeah. know there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like eating bread, so I didn't for a whole day. And I was like, I kind of feel good. And then I did it for two weeks and then I did it for a month and I was 10, 15 kilos down really quickly. Um, and by that point, I was like, like Shippy and I were talking all the time about just, you know, both of us feeling like shit after COVID and stuff like that. And um, I'd seen um, Marcus Pitt's business Progress 365 do these transformation photos with like Taylor King and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I think I can go back to the gym. I used to go to the gym all the time. Um, I reckon I can head back now that I've lost a bit of weight. And within a year, it's just skyrocketed. Like the 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 change has been crazy. And, you know, my blood tests come back really good. My blood pressure's down. I'm cycling. It's 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 been a, a massive change. And it's kind of made me maybe want to get back into wrestling just for mm-hmm. a little bit, just to do a couple of things I want to do. Maybe Perth. Hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, not, not, but, um, not that there's any big thing happening over there or anything. No, of course not. Nah. Anyway, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 been life changing. It saved my life because there was a good chance I, I would have been dead within a few days after finding that clot. So yeah, um, well, yeah let me just say nice. this quickly: as uh, me and Shippy were having a chat about working out and stuff, uh, about yeah. it would have been about a month or so ago, Shippy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, talking about different inspiration and stuff, and he goes, let me show you my mate. And he showed me a before and after of you. Yeah. And I was, it was enough to go, well, shit, if he can do that. Yeah. 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 You know, it, what's it, stopping it, me it, from going out and working out? I really appreciate that. It, it, still, it still shocks me. It's, it's funny, Shippy and I have had a very similar uh, experiences with our bodies. There was a stage where we were really fit and attractive men. And then it was a stage we weren't so fit and attractive men. Um, so we, we've definitely shared. It's been nice because we've had shared experiences that we've discussed where, um, you know, there was a point I think both of us were probably the most jacked we've ever been and we somehow still hated ourselves. Um, yep. It's it's a, it's a wild world. Wrestling is really tough on the brain when it comes to body dysmorphia. Like you're standing in a room with Mikey Broderick, Damien Slater, Marcus Pitt, Brendan Vink, and you're mm-hmm. just like, ah. Oh, the top one percent of bodies in this country are all in this room. Like it's and really I'm here also, <laughs> yeah, and also me, and that's, yeah. it's really difficult. And well, it can easily fuck- take a toll. I fucking saw a post from Slex the other day, and he's like, "Oh, the cut begins now," and the motherfucker what? is got like cutting, bro. The- <laughs> what are you cutting? Your toe going for a haircut. Yeah, fuck me. <laughs> it's, yeah, and it, it's hard. Wrestling's hard. And I think that's something we don't all take into account is that wrestling is, it's difficult. It's difficult in a lot of aspects. It's difficult in your um, mental health. It's difficult in your relationships. Uh, it's difficult yeah. financially. Like no one's no one's rich, brother. I promise you that no. much. No one's walking away going, I'm a millionaire. I'll, I'll give you no. a busy example of how pro wrestling is in my mind, right? And when I realize, we've got time, we've got time. When I realized that, when I realized that maybe this isn't what I want to do, so I was in Japan. I don't know if you've heard of this place. It's called New Japan. I worked there. Oh, maybe. <laughs> no, I never heard and of we it. We were. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, so we were in, <laughs> we were in Japan, and we had to go from, I want to say Beppu to Fukuoka, right? Which is about a four-hour bus ride. Now, usually we do it the next day, but for some reason they were like, we're doing it after the show. 
And I was like, okay, cool, like whatever. So we wrap up, main event happens. The main event is Jay White versus Goto. Great main event, mm-hmm. really hard hitting uh, in one of the biggest stadiums. So it was like an important match. We get on the bus and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, what the fuck's going on? I'm like, why? This usually doesn't take this long. And they're like, ah, oh, we wait for Jay White because we had a Bullet Club bus. So I was on that yeah. bus. Jay White gets on and he is taped up, ice pack, still in his gear, unwashed, like breathing heavy, sweating, sore. He sits in his seat and the bus driver starts driving for four hours. And I thought to myself, <sighs> this man is our Kobe Bryant. Well, maybe that's a bad mm-hmm. example. This man is our, you know, LeBron James, right, of New Japan. If he was leaving one of the fucking games, I don't know what they call it, the series that they have, the World Series, mm-hmm. what's a basketball? Tell me, up, Grand Finals. Bus. Whatever, right? Yeah. If, the, if he was leaving that, he'd be in a helicopter with an IV drip and a doctor massaging his fucking feet. Where here yeah. they're like, get in the truck, <laughs> like, like, get moving. <laughs> Like, I'm like, is this worth it? Like, mm. like, I wasn't even wrestling. I was commentating and I was tired. Like, these guys have just bashed each other and they're sitting on a bus for another four hours. And I was like, why Why are we doing this? What What are we yeah. achieving? Like, we're like a circus. We might as well be a circus where at least, at least circus people get their own caravan. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all in the same <laughs> bus thinking it up. Like, it's just, I think, I think there's this glamorized version of wrestling Oh, the yeah. hotels and the parties. Yeah, that shit all happens. But let me tell you something. When you're sitting in a hotel with 7-Eleven spaghetti vomit on the floor because you've been sick from drinking so much and you've got to pack your shit for an eight-hour drive to Hiroshima, mm-hmm. it's not that good. It's not that glamorous. <laughs> like, it's 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 different. And it, like even you're guys, sure taking the shine off this. Unfortunately, but that's, it's the truth. And I yeah. hope people watch this and understand that that's the case because I wish I could sit here and be like, oh, the mansion in noosa that i live in because of all my hall of fame money like it's it's just not true like like, like shippy we've got mates that are in wwe now and when i talk to them they're just like oh, on the road and blah 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 and yep 100 they love that life and they've signed up for it and they're, and they're enjoying it but there's a point where you got to go is it what i want to do and to be honest i just don't feel like it's in me anymore um mm-hmm. I, I'm very grateful for the opportunities I have with New Japan and within wrestling in this country. And I really still get a, a nice feeling when someone contacts me and goes, can you watch a match? Or if you're at the show, can you let me some feedback? And I always give it. Um, but since I, sometimes I say to them, is this really what you want? Like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with wrestling in this country. It's just as yeah. good. And it probably pays just as good at the moment as anywhere else. So yeah, it's a wild world. Okay. Oh. My first experience of your work, Gino, was actually yep. commentary at the Dome. Yeah, I'd right, love yeah. to know how you got into that. Well, that's you know, that's also not glamorous. But um, I had wrestled obviously for New Japan, and my understanding was that I was going to be wrestling there fairly frequently. Like that was yep. kind of the the gist I was given by the office at the time, and then the. <laughs> the dreaded Ishii match happened and I wrestled Ishii in Sydney. Now, I just want to say, I've recently watched back some highlights I found on YouTube and it wasn't that bad, but <laughs> I, uh, but it was, it, it, it was awful. And because, and it's my fault. I was gassed. I was on this four day tour that I was promoting. So I was worried about tickets and 
and rings and trucks and flights and buses and blah, 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 blah. Like we had a lot of help in that tour, but God, did I feel like, uh, like my world was falling apart. Like I remember landing in Sydney, getting a bus to Homebush Bay with all the wrestlers. I get to the hotel. I literally just went, oh, on my bed like that. And then my phone rang and it was the guy that was organizing the tour on our behalf going, where the fuck are you? You need to be at the arena. Something's happened. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I haven't slept. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So it, not an excuse, but the match was dog shit. And obviously uh, um, enough people saw it where they're like, well, this guy's not coming back. And mm-hmm. that was really a hard pill to swallow because I, I had these delusions that I was going to be in the G1. Like it was, my brain was like, of course I'm going to be. Uh, but the more I realized I wasn't going back, the more I was like, well, what do I do now? Because the way I ended up at Dome the first time when I wrestled was the year before I sat in the family and friends section as a guest. And I sat there and I turned to my best mate and I said, I need to be there. Like in the hyperfixation kicked in and before I knew it, a year later I was. Um, so I was like, well, I need to continue this. Like I've dedicated so much of my life to wrestling. What? How do I do this? And what I ended up doing... Um, was contacting the uh, current, well, he's gone now, but he was like the international manager and him and I spoke a fair bit and by chance I was driving him back to the airport. He's like, oh man, one of our commentators has pulled out for a show. It was like, a, I'm pretty sure it was a Scalabar. Scalabar couldn't do something. He had to go back to the US or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, have you commentated before? And I was like, yeah, yeah, big, big commentator. <laughs> And he's like, oh, he's like, do you think it's something you'd like to try? And I was like, yeah, because in my head, I'm like, well, I'm back there. I'm in front of people. The promoter yeah. sees me, the booker sees me. There might be an opportunity. So yeah. sure enough, two weeks later, I get contacted by the officer. Like, hey, you're commentating your first tour. And I was just like, like, what do I do? Like went and back and watched some Bobby Heenan and, you know, took yeah. some notes. And it, it, I always related to, you know, that episode of um, Family Guy when they're like how Ben Affleck um, gets ready for a role. He's like, <laughs> yes. I'm going to be the King of England in five minutes. Hello, hello. Got it. Like, <laughs> that's pretty much what my warm-up was. And I was really lucky that Kevin Kelly liked me from the get-go and was just like, cool. And in my head, I'm like, well, I can't commentate and I don't know many wrestling moves. I'm just going to do stand-up for the next two hours and let's see what happens. And I did. And then all of a sudden people like, this guy's hilarious. This guy's funny. Dave Meltzer's like the funniest commentator I've heard. I'm like, brother, I'll take it. And I just, just and it worked perfectly because Chris was the stats guy. Kevin was the straight guy and I was the idiot. And Mm -hmm. in any comedy trio, that's what it is. There has to be a straight man, a comedy guy and someone who actually calls the action. And it's worked out. And, and then I got to do, Tokyo Dome, I got to call a Chris Jericho match. Chris Jericho called me a fat ass during the match. Um, you know, I've got to, I've got to see some of the best, best wrestling in the world front row and have my voice a part of it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm never going to regret that decision. And look, you must be doing a good job because there's a sign at Wrestle Kingdom this year I, asking where right? you were, brother. So that, that guy did his whole university thesis on me. So That's No amazing. way. Brother. He went, I don't know how he did it, but he has a transcript of every word I've ever said on commentary. And he sent it to me. And he broke down how each word I say affects the mood of the person listening. 
and how how each word's different. It was I read it, I could not believe it. I was like, and this man's getting like a master's in like psychology or some shit. A master's so in the psychology. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but it was really it was it, yeah. And so like it's it's built a small fan base. I seem to be liked by a majority. Like of course, there's always the people who think I'm dog shit, which again, mm-hmm. I don't blame them. Um, but look, but exactly. in, in anything in entertainment, everybody yeah. doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Gino Gambino or you're Beyonce. There's someone who hates yeah. you. Yeah, and so. that's and that, that's, that's the way it is. And to be honest, I've just been I've just been lucky that they keep asking me back. I was meant to do Wrestle Kingdom this year, kind of fell apart with a couple of things, but I'm back for New Japan Cup. Um, so you get two weeks, twenty days of me in March. Um, New Japan Cup's a hard slog when it comes to travel. We, we do all the little towns and little circuits. Like, let me give you an example. I know everyone thinks New Japan's a glamorous and so is WWE, but when you're in the circuit and you're wrestling in a basketball stadium in fucking some Japanese town that no one's heard of, I go, this is Aussie wrestling. We're back. Like, <laughs> We're back. It's, it's not different. We're just on television. So. Yeah, I was recently talking to Hinata and he was saying about how bad the tour is and how much it takes it out of him. I don't know how they do it every night. I really don't. I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm kind of glad I fucked up against Ishii because I couldn't wrestle every night. I'd be dead. It's mm-hmm. it, it blows my mind when I watch. I'm like, how are you guys not? And then they go to the gym and then they're out partying and I'm just like, ah, oh, let me go to bed. Back to the um, the psychologist, master's degree guy. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you think getting a stain on every single show that you do on your shirt plays into that? <laughs> Brother, I get a stain at home eating dinner. Like it's it is, it is it is a typical wog thing. I, I will never forget that day. I was holding that cup of coffee, and I was like, and I hear in my headset thirty seconds, Gino, and I'm like, okay. And I look, I turned to Chris, and Chris goes, "Don't spill that coffee on yourself." And I went, "Huh?" And just this, well, I was like, no. And all I remember, the, 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 look, that's not even the best thing that's happened. To me. The best thing that's happened was, I. So we swap commentators during Kingdom because like there's Rocky and there's special guests and blah blah blah. So during Liger's last match at Kingdom, I'm, I really struggle with some of the Japanese names. So they're like, we'll swap out with Rocky, and Rocky wants to call. I'm like, beautiful. So Rocky's calling the match. I walk off. I go to catering, and I'm eating pizzas and hot dogs as you do. And I'm eating a pizza, and I walk out, and B Priestley's like in the family and friends section. And she's like, what do you got? I'm like, pizza. And I'm like, eh. And then the <laughs> bell rings for the end of the match. And I'm like, Ugh! and I try to put it in my mouth and I start choking. And I'm like, Ugh! and then I'm trying to pick the pizza out and get to commentary desk. I'm like sculling water. And Kevin's like, for fuck's sake. And I was like, pizza, great pizza. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I've, been, I've been very lucky. I've, I, I've taken the opportunity by the horns and, you know, really tried my best. A lot of the fans help us. They send a lot of stats and historical things that we probably don't know. Um, like there's a guy called Chris Samsa on Twitter who's amazing when it comes to stats and stuff like that. So, no, I, 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 I'm very lucky and I really enjoy well, yeah. it. But as much as you're very lucky, you also have taken every opportunity and actually run with it. Like, you know, it's one thing to be lucky, but you wouldn't be here if you just fucked around. Oh, uh, look, I just think that, like you said before, I'm never going to say no to an opportunity. If someone's like, do you want to try this? I'm like, okay, let's let's see what happens. Let's just see what happens and if it's any good and if it leads to something. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I've never said no to a promotion. Um, even if it's a promotion I know is probably not going to be great or draw a big crap. Because who, who am I? What am I going to say about, oh, I only wrestle in front of thousands. Like, fuck, I wrestle in front of 10 people. I've done it before. I've done it. I'll do it again. Like, 
it's just I think people just need to be able to be a bit more open to anything that comes along because you don't know what that opportunity becomes. Like me being, um, you know, me being taking someone to the airport led to a New Japan Gigas commentary. Me having a coffee with Tox led to Bullet Club. Um, yeah. You know, me going to that wrestling show and taking the flyer and calling Lobo at 11 o'clock at night led to me in wrestling. Like, yeah. there's always an opportunity somewhere. So, I guess all of the stuff about fans and everything leads us to um, a couple of questions we've got here. Sure. And one that we have is from Chunky Droid. And it says, best memories of working PWAC and your days in Canberra. You got I, one? I loved, I loved working in Canberra. I really did. I really felt like I got to do whatever I wanted. And I think my best, it's not the best memory, but all I remember is going to the hotel that was across the road from the venue and going like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. Like I just landed. I just want a little nap before the show. And I undo the sheets and there's sex toys and a G-string in the bed still left from the person who had just left the room. And I was like, fucking Canberra. What a place. I, like, <laughs> I know everyone was great there and everyone was young and everyone wanted to wrestle. And yeah, I, I loved PWA Canberra a lot. A, a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's another example there of like PWA Canberra. You know, like there, mm. it was like, there was one point where it was just going to be everywhere. Um, yeah, 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 like, absolutely. Even Canberra. <laughs> like, I, I, I noticed that around that time as well was when EPW like had like the offshoot there as well with EPW Adelaide as well, and that started yeah. to be a thing too. Why? It's just wild times. Things are just always shifting in wrestling. Was there only one fan question? I'm no, no, no. no, 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 no I've no. got a question here from Instagram, and this one's actually okay. for both of you. Oh, shit. Oh. So this one is Gino versus Warship. One more time. I, w- I would, hundred percent, hundred percent happily. Yep. And, yeah. that, and that there's from some random guy called that rogue raven. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I never heard of him before. Yeah. He hasn't been on the podcast or anything. Count nah. <laughs> <laughs> me in. I'd do it. Yep. Absolutely. Nah, in. We can do nothing like every one of our other matches. That sounds good to me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my favorite story. I still tell it even now on stream when I do stuff. Is my you and me wrestling that one time the. Like, you know, because I was young and I was like yeah. really early into it and not knowing, like, I thought you'd wrestled for way longer. So I'm like, okay, well, you put together the yeah. match, you'll do the thing. <laughs> and I remember we just had this bit at the start where we had a bit of a hot start and it ended up with me in the corner and you hit a big splash yeah. from one side of the ring to the other. And it was like literally the first thing, maybe the second thing in the match. I think I walked to the other side and you whipped me and yeah. did it again. And after you did it again, you're like, I'm too tired. No more. <laughs> like, like, it no was more. like, that's it. No, no, That's it. That's it. We've given them everything. We've given them everything. I always thought that we would have had a great match if we had just done like one arm drag, the other guy arm drags, we'd just both roll out of the ring to the floor, 10 count, finished. Count it out. Done. Brother. Done. I'm finished. Pull it out there. I'm done. Count <laughs> <me>. <laughs> but you know, I'd do it. Absolutely. If my neck allows yeah. me to, I'm up for it. Yes. For sure. Um, I love it. We also have one on, this is from Clayton Hughes, Clay Dog XX on the internet there. Um, thoughts of the state of Australian wrestling today? I, I think I think it's probably just as good as it ever was. Like, there's so much talent and there's so much, like, you remember when we started Warship, the idea of sending a VHS tape to someone in the hope they would book you and then mm-hmm. paying your way to go there and wrestle at some shitty fucking school um, was, was it. You made it. Um, so yeah, I think right now with all the talent, if you look at half the rosters in in the country, it's it's amazing. I, you can't you can't piss on that at the moment. I think it's really good. There's a yep. lot of promotions, but that's not a bad thing. 
Um, I, I, I just think it's it's a great opportunity for everyone. And if I was to ever come back, um, it would really just be more... Uh, the one thing I hated when I was young was the old guys coming back and being like, ah, here I am. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, want to yeah. come back and just, just, be, just be part of it. Like, I just want to yeah. sit there and, and watch it all happen again. So... Um, yeah, I think I think Australian wrestling is in a really good place, and hopefully it continues. I think yeah, we were a lot less that... shit people, like company wise, yes. now than we did when yes. we when we were coming up. There was like Oof. the good places to wrestle, and then there yep. was the shit places to wrestle. And yeah. there are a couple of people who have been crowned the king of the shit cunts because they would <laughs> do the shit shows and then maybe get yep. on a good show every now and again. But like, it doesn't yeah. seem to exist that way anymore. Sorry to cut you off there, Fid. No, 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 no you got no. I was going to say, like, do you think that the fact that we've got so many, both Australians and New Zealanders, that are now wrestling at the highest level in pro wrestling, whether it be AEW, WWE, New Japan, um, yep. do you think that exposure to the uh, Australian scene is bringing mm. more eyeballs to yeah. the independent scene? Hundred percent. Like, there's so much, and and just things like social media at the moment. Being able to share a match or a gift or something is is life changing for a lot of wrestlers. Um, and more and more, we're finding they have less of my problem of people not wanting to share it, where they're sharing it nonstop. And that's yeah. you know, you, you only need one good move, and all of a sudden you're you're back on top of the pile of shit. So, yeah, I think I think it's great that there's so many. Uh, people out there just doing amazing stuff and working hard and training hard and coming back to Australia and wrestling their, you know, local guys and putting them over. It's, it's really good. I think that that's something that we've, um, we've really seen over the past couple of years that the advent of like YouTube getting bigger for wrestling and stuff is I think yeah. that the difference is with Australian wrestlers now is we've been exposed to the Indies in Japan. We've been exposed to the Indies yeah. in America and we've said, Oh, hang on a second we're not actually as shit as we think we are. We're Correct. no worse yeah. than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. I, I don't think we've ever been shit. I just think we no. didn't know that we were any good. Yeah. 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 yeah and no, look, exactly. as a fan, I think seeing the likes of, you know, Minoru Suzuki and uh, Will Ospreay and Ultimo Dragon coming here to do small <laughs> indie places at an RSL. But it, I mean, it tells you that they're interested in coming here 100%. as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at Okada as the difference there, right? Like, like when you when when you go Okada over here, I know that we were both around shows where it was like maybe uh, Billy Kidman would be on a show or something like that, and not yeah. to discredit yeah. Billy Kidman, no. but there's a difference between Billy Kidman and Pico Okada, Okada, you know, like yeah. like yeah, like the, 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 <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, it's 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 a, it's a different world. It's a smaller world, but it's 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 a great opportunity for everyone that's involved. So yeah, a lot of people think Australian wrestling is not in a good place. I think it's in a great place. Yeah, no, good. Um, all right. So what's next? What's next for you? We, we, I don't know. Nudge, nudge. To be honest, uh, look, look, there will definitely be. Let's not lie. There's definitely going to be some times I'm going to pop up at shows this year. I'm not coming back. I'm just doing a couple of things that I really want to do to sort of finalize wrestling for me like i never got to do a cage match that's something that i really want to do i just want mm-hmm. to bleed everywhere in a cage i don't think that's unreasonable and someone no. will eventually book that's it. Not a big ass. um you know <laughs> I, I i've got a lot of friends in perth i've got a lot of friends in adelaide and a lot of friends in queensland that are in sydney that i'd love to see before you know officially done and i've been officially done now for four years i i, I commentary seemed to be the only thing i wanted to do you know the idea of bumping wasn't a thing but now that i've gotten fit and stuff 
maybe just yeah, maybe just a couple of things this year. And again, not a comeback, not anything crazy. I don't want a farewell tour where I'm waved through the streets because a lot of people don't like me and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, it would be nice just to see my friends. Like Warship, I haven't seen you for years. Like it'd be yeah. nice to come over, do a wrestling show, hang out with you guys, and have an opportunity to be like, hey, like you know, thank you, thank you for everything because. You know, I've got no value in wrestling anymore, and that's fine. Um, I've been away for a long time, so just be nice to sort of see my friends before I kind of go. Well, that's about it. Yep. Yep. No, I get it. And, and we're going to get to hear your voice a bit more uh, as well. Yeah. So New Japan Cup. Uh, there'll be a couple more New Japan things this year, I'm sure. They're pretty happy with uh, Walker and Charlton at the moment, and I saw some uh, new lady uh, pop up. I didn't grab her name, but she looked like. She was really comfortable in the in front of the camera, and I'm sure she'll be on a lot more shows too. But I'm just going to give you a quick anecdote before we finish. So mm-hmm. my old manager's name is Sebastian Walker, and we call him Walker. And his new commentary guy's name is Walker, right? So I'm on the phone call with the office, and they're like, oh, yeah, so for Tokyo Dome, uh, Gino, Chris, Kevin, and Walker. And I go, I go, sorry? And they go, Walker. I go, Walker? I go, this motherfucker. <laughs> I literally got the phone. I called him. I said, you're fucking on New Japan. You're doing the dome. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, they said Walker. Don't fucking lie to me. I was convinced they had booked Sebastian Walker. And let me tell you something. That man would have been cancelled within the first five minutes of trying to say a Japanese name on that show. And man, but, but apparently they're really happy with Walker. Um, he's one of Kevin's protégés. And look, I'm happy to bow out with the opportunities that I had, I got to do Madison Square Garden, I got to do Tokyo Dome, I got to do the Copper Box. I'm not, I got to do Corican Hall. And, do, um, and, and those are achievements, man. They're like, yeah, yeah, those, those are uh, dream locations for anyone, whether you're in the ring or behind the microphone. 100%. And I, I got to travel to Japan a hundred times, uh, and it not cost me a cent. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I need more because I feel like I'm kind of done. There's not much more I'd like to do. Don't get me wrong, I wish I had been signed somewhere at some point permanently but Mm -hmm. i I can't sit here and be like ah i didn't do anything because i feel like i've probably achieved a lot more than a lot of people probably thought i ever would even myself so if i can give a little bit back now and um wrestle a couple more times this year and do a couple more shows on commentary then fuck i'm I'm happy you there well you know i've never had a cage match either Mm. (laughs) Uh, thank you very much man honestly no thank you Thank you. I really good. appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I promise I'll actually watch this episode. That's um, okay. I believed you every time please, you said you listened to them, so it's okay. Yes. <laughs> please stream again, Warship. I enjoy your streams. Please do more streams. Uh, look, as soon as we get ourselves some help with this computer, uh, wink, mm. wink, nudge, nudge, any sponsors, um, it will be a lot easier. Right now, it's Cactus, so I'm using a laptop, and it just doesn't do what I need to do. So. Don't worry, um, I'm on my work computer. No, you're <laughs> don't not. Don't say on. that. Shh. No, I'm not. But thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know I talk a lot, but I, I hope this has been a good podcast. And thank you to everyone who sent through a question as well. No. So we're not going to do like an Aussie wrestling roundup this week just because we've got a guest on. Uh, big thank you to Gino for coming on and hanging out with us as well. Hopefully it was really good for you guys to get a bit of a perspective into the background of wrestling. I know I provide that most weeks but this is a little bit different so a little bit more of an international feel to it and it just goes to show you that it's pretty much the same no matter where we do it um thank you so much for listening fit i hope you had a good time listening on as well and no matter who you are what you do give me a kiss and we'll see you down at the ring <laughs>